Father, thank you this morning. Thank you for loving your children. Thank you that we have the opportunity and the privilege to be here with our family and to be here with you. Father, as we we endeavor to wrap up this series and look at where we are and where we want to be, we come to you this morning. We ask you to touch our hearts, to give us direction, and give us courage. In your name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Well, good morning. This is the third part of one message, and uh, I want to wrap this thing up this morning, but I, my goal is that we come to the end of today, and we, in this week, make some decisions for what you and I are going to do over this next year, and my goal is that we not look for big, huge things, but we look for things that are small and manageable. And a year from now, in 2021, just like, just like a few, this is our third week in January, and we got here so quickly, and you and I both know that a year from now, we will be three weeks into January, we will get there quickly, but we will be different people because of some of the decisions that we have made and some of the commitments that we are willing to make over this next year. We want to make wise and good decisions in 2020. Just a quick review for where we are. Um, if, you were, if you were to say to me, where am I going to be a year from now? What am I going to be like? What am I going to be like three years from now? The truth of the matter is you're going to be just like you are right now, except you're going to be more set in your ways. So if you're an angry person, you're just going to be more of an angry person. If, if you're a forgiving person, you're going to be more of a forgiving person. If you're a generous person, you are actually going to, you're going to continue to be a generous, but you're going to be more of a generous person. So it can be good and it can be bad. See, the future you and the future me, if we, if, unless we do something, is we're just going to be an exaggerated version of who we are now because time doesn't change who you are. Time reveals who you are. And over time, you and I will become more set in our ways. Some of you, there are old people in your life, and, and you just recognize it, like he's a crotchety old man, or, 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 or she's just a, well, I don't use that kind of language, but, you know, we, we, we put people in different places, and, and we recognize where they are, and, 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 and then we can talk to someone who knew them when they were younger, and they would give you some clarity on this, because it's easy for us to stay in our problem. It's easy for us to be lazy. It's easy for us to be argumentative. It's easy for you and I to be critical or be a gossip. Or It's actually easy for us to do nothing and want everything. And then I talked about the fact that there are no big wins. There's, there's not like a big win in life and then you've arrived. 
The reality is there are small things that you and I repeat continually, and those are the things that accomplish things in our lives and change us, because God speaks to us little by little, and he does it over and over again, and he takes us through this process of growing us and shaping us. I want to look at this morning, you'll notice in your notes, the, the, the title that I gave this is You Can, because I really believe that you and I can. Whatever God has for us, we can do it. Whatever decisions we make and whatever commitments we make, we can do it. And there's a passage of Scripture that I want to look at with you in 1 Kings chapter 19. See, there's the prophet Elijah, and then there's the prophet Elisha. They were right, they, were one, they came back to back. Why, why, why God didn't pick a Bill and a George, I don't know. But he, but he picked Elijah and Elisha. And when, if you grew up in church and you were in Sunday school, you could never remember which, I could never for, for years remember which one was which. Let, let me help you out with that. See, the first three letters in their name are the same, E-L-I, okay, E-L-I. And then the, the fourth letter is either a J or an S, right? There's Elijah and Elisha. All you have to do is they came in the order of the alphabet. J comes before S, so Elijah came first, and Elisha came second. That'll be embedded in you. You'll never mess that up again. You'll, you'll know it from this point forward. God speaks to the prophet Elijah, and he says, listen, man, your time is almost done. I need you to go and begin to train your successor. And he tells him who it's going to be. It's going to be Elisha. Now, they weren't from the same family, and that's why the whole name thing, they were from two totally different places in life. And as, you look, as we look at this passage of Scripture, you're going to recognize that. In the book of 1 Kings is where I'm going to start this, and we're going to look at chapter 19. In chapter 17, it, it kind of starts all out. And so if you want to go back and read that, go ahead and do that. Now, there's 1 Kings and 2 Kings. At one point, this was one book. It was just kind of broken up to help you and I better understand and track the, the kings that the children of Israel had. So we're going to start in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 19. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. Shaphat. Okay, got that? He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Do you know why this verse is so important? He was driving the 12th pair. That means that he had 24 oxen. What that tells you and I is that he came from a wealthy family, a yoke of oxen was like having one of those big, huge John Deere tractors with air conditioning. It was a big deal. If, if you had a yoke of oxen, then, then it was just like a farmer today having one of those big John Deere tractors. He had 12 pairs. He had 12 of these. He had 24 oxen. You know, you, 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 we've, seen, we've seen video of, of a whole row of John Deere tractors. Maybe you're a Mahindra guy. I, yeah, whatever. Going, going across the whole field and all the tractors lined up and they were taking a whole big field as a sweep. Well, in his day, he had 12 
pair of 24 oxen and they were yoked together and they would go across the field together. You had to be wealthy. This is Shaphat Industries here. This is no little thing. This is a big deal. This passage of scripture, that one verse tells us that Elisha came from a wealthy family. He was privileged. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. This was basically a symbolic move. The prophet Elijah comes up to the person that God told him is going to replace him, and he throws his cloak around him. It's symbolic, and the cloak is a big deal in their day. You see, almost everybody had a cloak. Some people had nice ones. Some people had little kind of not-so-nice ones. But a cloak did so much. A cloak would actually shelter you from the weather. The cloak could actually be laid down and people would use it sometimes to sleep on or, or fold it up and they would sit on it. It had many uses. It could be used as luggage. They would lay it out and put things in it that they wanted to take with them somewhere and they, there, there were folds that they would make and they could either carry it on their shoulder or around them and, and they could use it in that fashion. You could actually, if you, if you were someplace and you didn't have your money, you could use your cloak to pay a debt or as collateral. It was a valuable item, and it was a personal item to people, to individuals. It was a big deal to them. And Elijah put his cloak around Elisha. And he took it back soon after that, and as the story goes on, there's more to this cloak. Verse 20, Elijah... Elisha left his oxen and ran after Elijah. He said, let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, and then I'll come with you. You know you got to kiss mama goodbye if you're leaving, right? He kissed his mom and his dad goodbye, and he said, I'll come back and I'll be with you. So 21, so Elijah left him, went back, took his yoke of oxen. He took this pair that he had. He slaughtered them. He burnt the plow equipment to cook the meat. He took the plow and equipment, the wooden, he broke it all up and he created a big, a big bonfire and he killed both oxen and he served this great meal to his friends and his family and those around him who, who were working with him. He, he's making a strong commitment. He's, he's saying, I'm, I'm leaving this life behind and I'm going to another life. And he also, it was also an offering to God. It was an offering to, to God for saying, thank you for, for choosing me. Because Elisha was now coming to replace Elijah. You've got to understand, Elijah is one of the big, he's one of the biggies. We're talking about Moses, Elijah. I mean, he, he is, he's one of the big ones. He, there are over 14 miracles, huge miracles accredited to him. Elijah actually stopped the rain for an entire nation. He stopped the rain, and he says, it's not going to rain again until I say so. And that's exactly what happened. His miracles are recorded all. You need to read this story. It starts in 1 Kings, right around 17. You can read on 17 right on through. I'd encourage you to read this story. He goes on. He left his oxen, kissed his mother and father. He left them, he went back, he took his yoke of oxen, and he slaughtered them, and he burned them, and he... Then he gave it to the people, and they ate. And then he set out to follow Elijah and become his servant. He walked away from Shaphat Industries 
to become a servant to a prophet. When you look in Scripture, you say, well, how long did he do that? Well, the math is pretty easy to do because it's documented in Scripture. And he actually, for 18 years, was Elijah's servant. 18 years. And if we're to look in Scripture for, for what he did for those 18 years, actually in 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 11, this is the only thing that's documented for what he did. He poured water on the hands of Elijah. He poured, that's the only thing that's documented that he, he poured water. So, so he, he poured the water so the prophet could wash his hands. 18 years. But you and I know for 18 years, there was questions that were answered. There were comments that he made that the prophet would turn to him and say, well, no, here's what. There are 18 years of an internship as a prophet. But Elisha walks away from Shaphat Industries to become an intern to a prophet. In 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 9, when they had crossed, meaning they crossed over the Jordan River because Elijah took his cloak and smote the river and the waters parted and they walked across it. It says, when they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me what I can do for you before I am taken from you. In other words, God is getting ready to take me. Is there anything that I can do for you? Now, my mind simply says, well, he, I would have thought he would have said, is, is, there, is, there one, is, there, is there one principle that sticks out that you, that you would tell? Is there one thing that you would tell me? Or, or I would think he would say, well, listen, what, what, are, what are like the top three things that, that I need to know? What, what, what should I? He doesn't do that. Look what he says. He says, let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. Elisha, the intern, looking at the prophet Elijah, big deal, prophet, you know, television personality preacher, big deal, and they don't come bigger, and says, let me have twice as much of an anointing as you do. Sounds really cocky. And it would be if you didn't know his heart. Elisha's heart sought after God. The reason he wanted a double portion, so that he could do more for God. And then it goes on. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Listen to this. Yet if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours. In other words, if your eyes are looking at me, when God takes me from here to heaven, if your eyes are looking at me, you'll get it. If your eyes are not looking at me, you're out. Sorry, you don't get it. What, why, what, what's, it's, what's the deal with this? You've got to know from that moment forward, Elisha probably went to the bathroom when Elijah went to the bathroom. There isn't a chance he wanted to be caught and not, not see. That you got to know that when Elijah went to sleep, he, he probably put empty Coke cans around him so that if he got up in the middle of the night, he would knock the cans over and it would wake him up. 
you got to know that he was not going to miss this. You've asked a difficult thing. As they were walking along together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them, and Elijah went to heaven in a whirlwind. This is not standard Uber procedure to get to heaven. You and I have to die to get to heaven unless Jesus comes back. But Elijah, big deal. And he gets to heaven by a chariot and horse of fire. God, God chose to do this for him. That's how big a deal he was. And Elijah went to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha then picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. He took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and he struck the water with the cloak, just like he had watched Elijah do over and over again. He struck the water. And then he says, where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah? He wasn't being sarcastic. You know what he was doing? He was saying, God, am I really the one that you have chosen? Is it really me that you want here? When he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. In watching in your life the things that God has done in your life for you, in watching what God has done around the world, in watching what God is doing in the heart and in the life of our church, in recognizing that God is at work in our lives and in others' lives. Here's here's one of my questions. Are you and I praying for a double portion for our kids? Are you and I doing that? Moms and dads, are, are we, listen, I am more hopeful. I've said, this, I've said this before. I am more hopeful looking at the millennials in our church than I believe most people are. I'm excited about what God's doing in the next generation in our church. I, my, my prayer is that God give a double portion to RJ and Christina. That God give a double portion to Clint and Alexis, to Adrian and Rosanna, to Jordan and Julia, to Wes and to be determined. (laughs) Uh, And are, are we praying that our grandkids, this is a challenge to all of us, that our grandkids have a double, that God do twice as much with them as he has done with us. What? See, the problem with small prayers is you just might get exactly what you pray for instead of what God wanted to do. Elisha said, give me a double portion. And it's not he who has the most, he who has the most toys wins. It's not that kind of thing. His heart was, God, give me a double portion so I can do twice as much for you. Let's be praying that for our kids 
and our grandkids. And let's do everything that we can to make that happen. Let's let our commitment level rise to the place that we don't come here on Sundays because it's kind of a nice social thing and the coffee is free and, and if you serve, you get donuts. Let's do it because we want to do twice as much. Because outside these walls and in this community and in our lives are people who don't know Jesus. And that's a big deal. As I look at this part of this, this story, there are three things that jump right out at me. We are capable of change. Elisha was capable of change. He walked away from Shaphat Industries, from Shaphat Incorporated. He walked away from wealth and a life of luxury and comfort and do anything you want kind of a life. We are capable of change. What if you were forced to change? What if the doctor said to you, you're not going to live another day unless you start eating like this? And you knew it was true. You change. We don't like change. Because we, we, we change in a way hurts. And, and change is hard. We, we don't like fasting. You know why we don't like fasting? Because we get hungry. We, we, don't, we don't like saving because if we save the money, we can't spend it. We like our Slurpees too much. We, we like our BMW. We, you can't save it and spend it. You've you, you got to choose. We, we don't want to pick up all that stuff in the backyard and clean up the backyard because that's work. Last week, I talked about Newton. Isaac Newton's first law of motion an object at rest stays at rest. It's not moving. It's, it's comfortable sitting there. Are you pleased with your desire to change some other time? Are you pleased with your desire to change tomorrow or in June? Because you're an object at rest See, something's got to happen. Something's got to light the fuse. Something's got to spark the fire. Something's got to give. Something's got to happen to make us change so that we're willing to change. We're willing to pick three things, three little things. Three little things, and over the course of this year, they're going to take us to a place that we are not the same person that we are right now. See, an object at rest stays at rest, but once it is in motion, it is easy to stay in motion. Easy. Easy. Everything in the universe, everything in the universe, nothing broke, we're good, right? Everything in the universe wants to keep doing what it's doing. It doesn't want to change. And we 
are the same. Our default, our natural drift is to stay where we are and not move. It is the first law of motion. Newton pegged it so clearly. Tony Robbins puts it this way. Tony says, change happens when the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change. If you, is there, if there's something's going on in your life and you, you, could, you could fix it, if you could fix it, you would have already fixed it. Does the pain have to get so bad that, that it's so bad that now you have to try and fix it? Or, or should you recognize, you know what, I've got this issue in my life. I, I need to be here on Friday nights to celebrate recovery. And, and, I, and I need to give it the attention that I need. I need to give God the opportunity to change that area in my life before it gets so painful. The second thing that I notice from Elisha is what Grandma used to say, slow and steady gets you ready. Slow and steady, piece by piece, you're going to get there. You can be a rabbit and jump all over the place, or you can be a turtle and you can just keep on crawling. Who wins the race? The turtle wins every single time. Slow and steady gets me ready. But, but I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for my ship to come in. Elisha, 18 years of serving, 18 years of pouring the pitcher of water over the prophet's hands. 18 years, little by little by little. Someday my ship will come in. You need to get in the boat and just start rowing. Because grandma used to sing to you, row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Merrily, 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 merrily. Life is but a dream. Little by little by little. Darren Hardy, in his book, puts it this way. In the compound effect, he says this. He eventually says this. It's time someone told you straight. You've been bamboozled too long. There's no magic bullet, no secret formula or quick fix. You don't make $200,000 a year spending two hours a day on the internet, lose 30 pounds a week, rub 20 years off your face with a cream, fix your love life with a pill, or find lasting success with any other scheme that is too good to be true. And then he goes on to say, it'd be great if you could buy your success, fame, self-esteem, good relationships, and health and well-being in a nicely clamshell package at the local Walmart, but that's not how it works. And that's not even Bible. But some of us think, when my ship comes in, or, 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 or when I when I is now. Where do you want to be a year from now in the different areas of your life, in the different areas of my life? Where do I want to be? It's going to take day by day, 
day in and day out. My challenge to us as we wrap up January, and we're going to dig in and have a great time next week talking about the church, but in our personal lives, let's keep it simple. Let's choose three different areas and let's choose one thing in each area. Something easy. So I'm still doing my one push-up every day. And there hasn't been one day that I've done one. I've always done more than one. Matter of fact, the other day, I, I, when I was in the shower, I, I got down, because I was thinking about it, and I realized I didn't do it this morning. So I, I got, and I did it in the shower. Nice hot water beating on my back. It was really good. It was a good thing. I, I, I'm doing, the, maybe for you, it's flossing that one tooth. Maybe you're from West Virginia and you only have one tooth, and so your whole mouth is done in one shot. I don't know. But, but what, what, what is it? And in what area? You keep sowing day in and day out. You keep watering. You keep doing it. You keep dreaming. You keep on planting. Plant yourself in a life group. And you keep growing with the right people. And you take the next step in your life. And you begin to read your Bible. I'm going to read my Bible maybe just two pages a day, whatever it is for you, two pages a day, or maybe one chapter a day. Maybe for you it's just three verses. And I'm going to spend five minutes every day in prayer. And I'm going to purpose to never skip twice. It's going to have, you're going to mess up, you're going to miss, and you're going to do that over and over again. But never do it twice in a row. Because if you do it twice in a row, the potential to not start again is way too great. That's why baptism is so important. You're moving forward. You're taking a step in water baptism. And everybody in your life knows you are moving forward. You're committing yourself. Today, we're doing the journey, a one-day version of the journey Providing lunch. You can walk out of here, go over to the blue building if you've never taken the journey, especially if you're serving. It's hard to do it when you're serving here at Calvary. Go over to the blue building. We have lunch for you. If we get a whole crowd, don't worry about it. We'll get more lunch, and we have plenty of tables to roll out. Don't worry about football. Your team didn't make it anyway. <laughs> if you're a Green Bay Fan or a 49ers fan, you're going to be home before that game even starts. And yet you have an opportunity to move, to start this ball rolling. I'd encourage you to do it. It's going to be a great time over. Look what John Maxwell says. John says this, improvement doesn't happen in a day, but it must be daily, little by little by little. The third thing, if we'll, be, if we'll do this, if we will begin to do this, you and I can enjoy momentum. John Maxwell says, momentum is your friend. Over and over again, little by little in the areas. Elisha, little by little, and he got to the place where he took the shawl and he smote the water and the waters divided to the right and to the left and he walked across. Because once you get in motion, it's easier to stay in motion. The space shuttle uses more fuel to lift off than it does for the entire rest of the trip. 
because it has to break free of what's holding it back. What is holding you back? Just little things. But if we do them, we will be a different person next year. And we will eventually be in the place that we want to be. Momentum. God doesn't do addition. God only does multiplication. So you're choosing where you want to be. He says, if you'll do this, if you'll commit to this, you won't be there. You'll be wherever I want you to be. Because when we take one step, he takes many more. My challenge to you and I this morning, I'm telling you guys, I have mine in place and I'm doing them. Maybe for you, you're going to read a book this year. Two pages a day. You, can read, you probably can read several books. Maybe for you, I'm, I'm going to spend five minutes in the morning in prayer and I'm going to read a chapter every day or two chapters every day or, or whatever. Make it so small, it would be embarrassing not to do it. In the area of finances in your life, in the area of your relationship with God, in the area of your relationship with others, maybe physically and your health, you pick the three and you find three steps, three little things that over the course of this year, you're going to do every single day. And if you miss a day, you're going to be so intentional not to miss that next day. This will be so simple. You cannot fail. And what God does, he does things little by little. And God lives in the arena of sowing and reaping. If you do this, he says, this will happen. And if you do this, this will happen. Guys, my goal, stand with me as we pray. And then I, I, just, I want to do a song. We're going, to, we're going to do a song together. Father, thank you. Thank you for this, your church family, for us, your children. And thank you for loving us so much and caring for us so much that you provided salvation for us. Lord, I pray your blessing on our church family even as we leave here and everyone that heads over to do the journey. Bless us, Lord, as this day we honor you with grateful hearts for what you're doing in our lives. And as every one of us, as every one of us choose our three things, we look for a year ahead of us that you have laid out for us and that you will do in us and through us do it in your name we pray. And everyone said, amen. God bless you guys. Let's sing together.